of the Back Porch Podcast. Here again to let you know we have arrived at part two of our conversation of the best hip-hop songs in 2012. Giving their lists are as my co-host, Corey Dempsey, and we're also being joined again by our guest who you have heard when we discuss the best hip-hop songs of 1988. That's right, 1988, not 1998, as I said in the previous episode, because whatever, as well as the best hip-hop songs of 1994. We're being joined again by Steve Tyson, a.k.a. Elect, who put out a great music video over the weekend for Make It Happen off of his debut album, Intellectual Property, which you can find on all streaming platforms. Look up the video on YouTube for Make It Happen, as well as Steve's Instagram account, at Elect217. Anyway, we're going to be continuing uh, the list that we have here. Steve went through his three through five picks. Corey went through his four through five picks. So with this episode, we're going to start with Corey's number three pick and obviously continue on down the line. I don't think there's really much else for me to say, so I think we should just get right into it. Physically, or are we going to make Steve do it again? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Steve's definitely going to play it, but I will introduce it. Um, my number three pick is Killer Mike Champions Anthem, uh, Butane. I don't know. It's got a lot of titles. Killer Mike Butane Champions Anthem featuring LP from his album yeah, Rap Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitch, you with the quattro. But my girl Mercedes with the Audi say the quattro was a two so a typo. You can put on Killer Kill I've already expressed how much I fucking love Run the Jewels, so this is always just a wonderful combination. But Corey, why is this your number three? I mean, it's my number three for a couple reasons. And the first is, you know, like you said, Run the Jewels. And there's a line at the beginning of LP's verse where he goes, yo, Mike, they fucked up putting us in together, man. And just like Run the Jewels is basically the Simpsons of rap by just predicting the future... LP right there just predicted that Run the Jewels would become one of the biggest things in rap. And I think, you know, I don't think anyone can argue they're one of the five best, like, people in their prime right now. And they released probably the most important hip-hop record of last year. So, you know, the creation of Run the Jewels right here on this song, because, you know, LP did produce this whole album, but this is the only one that he raps on. So, you know, you're getting the breadcrumbs of what Run the Jewels is going to become and how these two rappers with very different styles and very different, you know, flows are going to fit together. And, you know, they, they, they connect on the same values. They want to talk about the same things, but they do it in such different ways. So you see how it starts to fit together on this track. And so I love it for that. And then, you know, the other thing is this is just one of the finest examples of braggadocio rap out there. Like (laughs) just, incredible flames being spit by both rappers on this track no this is this is such a good one i mean like you said it's it it shows you what run the jewel is going to become and it's just kind of funny that the creation or the way lp came to produce this album wasn't necessarily desperation but it was at a turning point for both of them where like killer mike was not getting the respect that he deserved 
LP just act, you know, didn't mean to, of course, but sunk Def Jux and was like completely broke. And this was just sort of a meeting from, uh, I forget the gentleman from Adult Swim, but that brought them together uh, to do some shit for Adult Swim turns into this. You know, obviously the same year LP comes out with Cancer for Cure and they tour on Run the Jewels, but they did their solo shit first only to find out everyone's hitting with Run the Jewels more. So that's how like Run the Jewels takes off. Like that's how it's kind of interesting where that this song, this this collaboration between the two of them, you know, didn't necessarily end their solo careers. I guess put it on pause, but like led to like you said, I think they almost make like the most important hip hop album of each year they've put out an album. But but Steve, what do you think of this song? What 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 are your thoughts? How do you feel about this at number three? I think it's dope. Uh, it's really cool to hear the uh, beginnings of Run the Jewels. I hadn't heard this song before either. Um, so for me, it, not only is it a hell of a beat, and Killer Mike is just always dope when it comes to his lyricism. Um, but I think that LP, <clears throat> I, I've never really given LP the appreciation as a lyricist uh, that he also rightfully deserves. And so to hear him on this track, you know, almost a decade ago, still holding his own, um, you know, in comparison to what Run the Jewels has put out even more recently, it has been really dope to hear um, a consistency in in his execution. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the track. I thought it was a dope pick. Yeah, I want to point out a couple things about the song specifically because, you know, we, we've talked all about, you know, what it means. But, you know, I think Killer Mike's flow in this track is, like, so dope and something that I can't barely, like, wrap my head around. But he comes in, he goes, <clears throat> looking for the truth, yeah, it's me. Everything, polo to the flow, though, even at the grocery store, though, picture perfect, take a photo and take the pic, you bite and bitch and sew and stitch a logo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like... What the fuck? How? How? Just how? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know, but what I will say is that we were missing this. We were missing Corey trying to imitate other rappers, and it, and it, happened, <laughs> it happened on the third track. But no, I agree. And to, like, LP, like, that, he just has that futuristic yet grimy, like, signature to, like, each of his beats. And, like, this is just, this is a perfect example of it. Uh, this song on that album and yeah Killer Mike like I said Killer Mike just never I feel like it wasn't until somehow Run the Jewels like I know that like they can he was always considered like the dude from Outcast like the dude that was with Outcast but like yeah man I'm just so happy that like this album and then everything from Run the Jewels like this is where he started getting where he started getting some praise Steve as the actual rapper in the room how'd I do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude you're getting better every time entire time <laughs> you're, you're getting better every time and talk to us about killer mike's flow because it's like just in this song the way he kind of changes it almost line to line and then like stitches mm-hmm. together all these thoughts like what do you think about that flow like i think it's excellent i mean there's a variety of different flows in in his verse uh and, and i think that it's you know, he just kind of rides the wave of each of them to their completion before getting to the next one. It's not like he tries to stretch one out too long or only uses one flow the entire verse or anything like that. Um, so I think that just his his timing and, and, and execution of each of his lines and, and the cadence within certain ones and how they kind of flipped into each other was really dope. I mean, Killer Mike is an incredible lyricist, so 
Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the lyrics goes, you know, I mentioned this is like a braggadocio rap. So I wanted to put some shine on one line where he kind of does that. And he says, and, and this one I'm not going to try and rap because it's it. It, you pick, Do no, you it. pick it up in the middle of one of his flows. So it wouldn't make sense. But he says, my rhymes are actually accurate, meaning I don't fiction in my diction to the masses. This perfection is performed through many practices like prostitutes to mattresses. This shit just comes naturally. Just fucking fire. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what the else there more is to say about it. Like, I mean, yeah, this is, <laughs> Killer Mike is just phenomenal. I wish it wasn't just Run the Jewels that made me kind of discover him. I wish I, you know, it, it has caused me to go further back into his catalog. But I will say that the combination of those two, I don't know, their, their, their friendship, even the albums they create somehow, they just are so, so seemingly wholesome. So to kind of go back and sort of look at this, it's always, uh, it's always, it's always a wonderful thing. Um, and always love to see sort of, uh, what, what came of it, but still really hilarious that I forget who, whose was first. I think Killer Mike's came out right before, like, I think he's, I think LP said it was like a week before, uh, his album. So it was just like, and that was a great album too, Cancer for Cure. Um, but it's just like, if Killer I wanted Mike to- over you. <laughs> I know I, I wanted to include it but then the song I would have chose is like the full R word and I just I, I didn't want to go there uh so yeah this I was, is gonna stand in I was wondering I was wondering about that because I was gonna have questions about that because I was thinking about if I were to construct my top five would that because I knew like that's the song from the album that was the single um but I was curious about the title I mean because I know what it's referencing still yeah I, I didn't want to include it because yeah, yeah. We, we don't need that kind of language no. Yeah, again, there, there are songs in 2012 that wouldn't fly today. The, that's the for sure. title, the title <laughs> of it is what is what was the problem. All right, man, we're at number two. We're getting down to it here. Steve, what do you got for your number two? All right, so for number two, uh, my choice is Kendrick Lamar, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, the remix featuring Jay-Z. Oh Look inside of my soul and you can find gold and maybe get rich. Hold up, Trinidad James in four weeks, but now my album platinum and shit. So what? Y'all keep the numbers. Alright, so I actually, that is the first time I heard that version of that song. I'll be perfectly honest with you, for some reason I hadn't heard it before. Go ahead, say it, Corey. Have you been living under a rock? <laughs> well, there are two songs on your list I hadn't heard before, so I know that I must be partially under a rock too. So it's all good, Beam. That's uh, I think my rock is much smaller, uh, much of easier to have gotten out of, seeing as Jay Z was on this one. Um, but a couple things, did he do have Jay Z on just to clown him? It kind of seems like he just sandwiched Jay-Z in the middle of both of his verses. And not only did that, but then like led off of the end of Jay-Z's verse. Like, oh, hold on. I'm sorry. You went. I'm going to drown. I'm going to, I'm going to get you again. I mean, yeah, he definitely, uh, outshines Jay-Z on this song for sure. I mean that the single artwork for the, the artwork for the uh, single of this song is Jordan and Kobe, uh, sitting next to one or you know, one of the shots of them in a game together, talking to one another. Oh, it, it does. Free That's throw. interesting. So, yeah, so there's definitely a torch passing to some extent, which is why Hove also doesn't need to show up, you know, as more as robustly as he might typically. I mean, Kendrick is going to take it and run with it. It's it's literally that passing of the baton and Kendrick just goes off. No, and that, and that was actually going to be the question, just seeing that that second verse from Kendrick very much is like, yo, get out of my way. I'm trying to like this is my time, basically. Um but overall, uh, Steve, 
why is this on? Why is this number two for you? I'm, so I think that Kendrick definitely deserves to be on this list multiple times. And so he was on this list multiple times for me uh, in my number five song, my number three song, this song at number two. Um, but I, I think that a song from Good Kid Mad City specifically needed to be on this album uh, or on this uh, list. And so for me, I thought that Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe might be my favorite song on the album. Money Trees was uh, up there. Uh, swimming pools is definitely up there for me uh, real is also up there for me but this song i think really you know captures um who kendrick is in a, in a in a more broad way and less so you know with certain stories or certain narratives uh on the album and so that's why it was my choice and then whenever it came to the original versus the remix i mean to not have a Jay-Z verse, you know, whenever there's the opportunity to do that, uh, I had to make the call and, and put the remix in there as opposed to the original. So yeah, I, I think this is an incredible track. Definitely shout out to Soundwave on the production. Um, there are so many memorable lines in this uh, song that <laughs> from both Jay-Z and Kendrick, but I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible. I, I, I love Hove's line where he's like um, sitting next to Hillary, smelling like dank, you know, talking about Hillary Clinton, but yet, you know, still being himself. Uh, you know, in the White House at that point, um, you know, because she was Secretary of State at that time, or at least just finishing up uh, that role. And so, yeah, it, it was, um, I, I just thought it was an incredible track and definitely, you know, should be within this list. And so I, you know, placed it in there at number two. I do like that Jay-Z literally does say, I'll wait, and literally waits. He actually waits. But what I will give you, Steve, is as much like you've been able to sneak a bunch of other artists on this list without like naming their specific track, maybe, you did it with Jay-Z, too. So I think props to you. Uh, I think you deserve some credit there. Um, Corey, <laughs> though, what are your thoughts on uh, on this version of Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe? I mean, I I absolutely hear what Steve's saying. Like, you know, because Kendrick is not beholden to the story and the larger ideas that he's trying to get across, he can just go. And so I do think like from a rapping perspective, his verse is more impressive here. I prefer the original version because of the context of the whole story and what he's doing with the album. I really love that. And I, you know, it's why I had such a hard time with this list and picking like an individual song because good, good kid, mad city. It's, it's really a 10 track album to me. Like the story kind of ends at uh, dying of thirst and then real and Compton are just kind of tacked on and they're good songs, but like those 10 songs, just the perfect story that he's telling throughout. So like pulling something out from it was very difficult. Um, and I was between bitch don't kill my vibe and what I eventually chose as my choice from this album. So like bitch don't kill my vibe is just such, such an incredible song. And you know, Steve, you mentioned the beat, like this is the beat from this record. As far as like just purely looking at the beat, this is the production that I want because it's just, oh my God, what what a vibe that it is. And no one wants <laughs> it to be killed. You're right. No, no, no. don't kill don't, don't do kill it. the vibe of this beat, please. <laughs> I think that your point around it being like a perfect 10 track story is really dope. Uh, Cause you're absolutely right there. You know, real is an incredible song and, and but it is more about, you know, a celebration of, you know, his 
immediate family with his parents and making a song for them. And then Compton is, you know, just him and Dr. Dre being able to celebrate Compton, which is yeah. cool. Um, but you know, the, the purpose and the, and the story around good kid, mad city is definitely encapsulated in those 10 songs. Uh, so I also had a lot of difficulty trying to figure that out, which, you know, this song allowed for that kind of easy out because my choice is bitch don't kill my vibe in that 10 song structure. But then to be able to add Jay-Z and then also to have Kendrick being able to rap like he does on his second verse, the third verse of the song, you know, it really stands out. I think it just, it, it kind of peaks its head up just a bit more for me than the original. I also think too, like, and not, and, and just because you've had him on as like, a, uh, like obviously where he features on other tracks, I don't know why people continue to let him feature on tracks. I just like why like why would you do why are you succumbing yourself to that or even feature on his tracks at that well no I mean I think other people definitely lift it up but it's just like I, I understand sort of this is the passing of the torch song and I knew that seeing the second verse from him but it also too I just like I feel like you just invited Jay Z on just to be like yo um I'm I'm actually I'm I'm more vault let me let me please let me please yeah, like, but, I'm actually better than this guy in certain yeah, ways I'm 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 tr- I'm trouncing him in terms of his legacy that's not true at all but like it's just no uh it's fucking it's not that, it's not but Jay-Z is so humble in that yeah. he just showed up nope. to pass the torch because yep. he recognized how real Kendrick is exactly and oh, like no, he sure. he showed up to pass the torch he, he doesn't care like his legacy is cemented. Like yeah, Jay Z is one of the greatest of all time. It is settled. He's, he's <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it is settled that he is one of the greatest of all time. So he he doesn't care. Like here, here's the torch, kid. Go sure, with it. Do what you want. Please. I am making. Yep. What does he got? Like billions now too. It's just like who fucking cares? Yeah, I'm a businessman now. Like I just rap for fun. <laughs> yep. Fucking love it. Somehow making it onto this list too. Corey, you have a number two. I do. What is it? So. My number two, I will say up front that this is just like, I I can't argue like objectively that this is a top five song from 2012, but I can say that this is one of my favorite songs from 2012. So I'm going to put it on there because this is my list and I'll do what I want. Uh, It is Action Bronson's 924.11 from his Blue Chips mixtape. Pain within running deeper than the ocean floor. Pain within running deeper than the ocean floor. Ocean Avenue, the family straight from Kosovo. Another party supplies appearance. And yet one of also the most endearing Action Bronson songs I've ever heard. Corey, why is this your number two? I mean, it starts with the beat. So you mentioned party supplies. I mean, he just takes such a beautiful song in Dean Martin's Return to Me and just loops it and just puts some boom back drums over. And it's like, all right, that's it. That's the beat. (laughs) And it's like, well, when you have a song as beautiful as Return to Me, like, why would you fuck with it? Just let it go and just put some fucking drums on it. It sounds like someone's about to get fucking shot. Like in like Scarface or something like that. It's it sounds like yeah, this is like an Italian mob scene and someone's about to go down in a in a hail of bullets. But yeah, and I mean, what you said also about it being such an endearing Action Bronson song is, I feel like it is just capturing who Action Bronson is because it's just a one take thing. You hear him fuck up multiple times, and then he just like. Man, I fucked my last word up. I don't give a shit though. What I meant to say, prime rift carved at the fucking carved station. But <laughs> and like, he's like, what still, did he say he's... before that too, because it sounded nothing like that. It's yeah, not even a like, word; it's a sentence. And he's just like, you know, 
correcting himself while rapping correcting himself and it's just it is endearing because it's just like you're getting a picture of action bronson just like in the studio because it's just one take so like that's what i love about it so much is partly because he keeps fucking up and just like goes yeah and to open up with smoking fucking thanksgiving turkey bags makes me every time want to smoke and and that's what i had to do I, i pulled a little from my pen but steve what are your thoughts on this song man I love the song. I love the beat. I love the sample. Um, yeah, I think the album artwork is also like hilariously dope. Um, the, yeah, everything about it is is fire. And one thing I like, to to kind of throw the same question at you that you did to me earlier. Even though the song was recorded on nine twenty four eleven, does it count for twenty twelve? <laughs> I mean, the mixtape was released to the public in twenty twelve, so I think it should count. <laughs> I mean, I, listen. That was a really noble attempt, Steve. <laughs> hey, I mean, because I go, because I'm going, I'm going by when the, when the album's for, when the song is first available, not when the album comes out. So, trying to stay fair to and true to the integrity of each song, but <laughs> nah, I think the song is absolutely dope. Um, it, it's probably the first time I've listened to it all the way through. Uh, I th- I think that the I usually cut it off after Big Body Best and forget that Bronson has like a couple more bars after that. Um, but yeah, th- there's, uh, you know, a few bars in there that are really dope. I think that, you know, his lines where he's kind of fucking up his lyrics and, um, you know, still tries to catch himself a bit and explains, you know, I was going to say this, that, or the other, whether or not that's a hundred percent authentic uh, in the moment, or if it's kind of, you know, because, you know, just as easily pre-planned that as an MC, I've thought of shit like that a trillion times. So like, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's definitely um, either way. I think that it it definitely came off really dope. uh, And and I I actually enjoyed the song. I mean, two things, Steve, one, you can't go ahead and say like, skip the last verse of that song because he says, Patrick Swayze, we out. I literally had to look. I'm like, is that when Swayze died? Because I was like, <laughs> what the connection is? Like, why did he just say that? Because he ghosts on the track. So he says, Patrick Swayze, we out. Because okay. ghosts. I like that too. And two. And, and, and before that, he says, next of kin, which is another Patrick Swayze movie. Let's see. You know what? On These are on levels that I don't understand. You know. You got to get your Swayze up. You got to get your Swayze up. Apparently, I got to get my Swayze up. But, too, like, dude, just let us fucking, like, it's like Santa Claus. Just let us believe. Uh, Corey, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no worries. So, you know, Steve, you were mentioning some of Action's bars, and I wanted to, I, I mean, there's so many on this track that, like, are incredible. You're going to rap them, There's. Bro? You're going <laughs> to? I am. Um, but there's a couple that are, like, you know, quintessential action Bronson. So like one of the things, you know, he used to be a chef, so he is incredible at weaving in these like food references to his, to his lyrics. So one of the, one of the bars, he says, her name was Yeta from the former Yugoslavia. She grew a bush like a baby plant, but still I ate it. Just think of it as Bucatina razor clams. (laughs) Like who the fuck thinks of something like that? (laughs) And it's like, I don't even know what the fuck a Bucatina razor clam is, but. I'm well, going to Google it. Bucatini is like a type of pasta. So it's like really long. So that's the hair of the bush. And then, you know, people sometimes call the vagina a clam. So he's like Bucatina razor clams. <laughs> Dude, the, he, he's on a different level. He's on a completely different level. It's it's absurd. Offensive to women or not in like mer- various different instances, but got to give him super- credit for the creativity. <laughs> yeah. Like 
and you know it is super offensive because like <laughs> right before that he says i hate when stupid b- bitches ask me questions that's rhetorical and like that's just disrespectful actually and that's that's unnecessary but like the bucatina razor clamps thing like are you nuts what oh, action yeah there's this other thing that action also does a lot like he sometimes gets introspective in his lyrics where he's like looking inwards but then he always puts a joke at the end of it because action bronson never wants to be too serious so like he says at one part well naturally i'm jealous because i'm lonely at times my only friends in life are drugs and the cannoli <laughs> so like he's he's talking about his loneliness but then throws in a fat joke at, aimed at himself and then the other one at the end he does demons on the doorstep lungs that feel constricted or maybe i should see a shrink and get prescripted or take the hand of god but shit i think i'll keep my distance so like just like i don't want to go near the church but like also reflecting on how he's kind of you know using weed to like deal with like anxiety and panic issues so like there's some deep stuff in the lyrics but then he always throws a joke in at the end pointed at somebody because he's like eh I'm Action Bronson. I can't be too serious. He's got a name to keep up. Yeah, I mean, or he's got a, at least a persona. But you know, on the fat joke, shout out to Action Bronson because I think the dude's in better shape than I am right now. He he's he's down to shape. he's down to like two fifty now. For fuck's sake, man! Like his workout regimen is. I mean, he's got the fucking money and time to do it. Like maybe if some of us were had that much money and as much, you know, dedication and maybe motivation as he does. Sure. We could, I mean, I don't need to lose like a hundred pounds, but like, you know, there's this incredible video that he did, uh, for vice. Fuck. That's delicious. Where <laughs> big body best is trying to get him to do push ups when he's at his fattest. It is just incredible content. And at one point he's screaming at him. He's like, man, you're going to start having sex this year because apparently <laughs> Action Bronson in 2012 was like too fat to have sex. He made a joke out of it and just said, I only get head because I can't work that hard. Dude, I fucking That's believe wild. it. I saw him That's I saw wild. him live maybe that year. It might have been the following year at Skidmore. At Skidmore, of all fucking places, with Danny Brown. He opened up for Danny. Um, one, they couldn't smoke on stage, so that was a weird vibe. And two, like, he just looked huge. He didn't move. He was, like, immobile. He, like, stood around, but, like, props to him, man. He's, 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 he's really getting after it. You got to give the guy some credit. All right, dropping all that, getting a little serious, because we're at number one now. This is, this, is, this is what we've all been waiting for. It's literally what we've been counting down to. Steve, what is your ultimate number one choice from 2012? Well, I think that... You once again you segued it perfectly because the first line of this song is "Ain't this what they've been waiting for?" So my number one song for the year 2012 is Meek Mill "Dreams and Nightmares" intro. Got what I deserve, fuck nigga. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished when I bought a ass tomorrow. Y'all thought it was raining. That's a Philly Homer pick, dude. <laughs> Most say definitely. What, say what the fuck you will. All right. So again, that rock for me, just bigger. It's kind of actually really more it's a hole, just like deeper to try and climb out of. I hadn't heard that song for fuck's sake, man. That I know, I know. Don't to take that look off your face. That's no fucking see crazy. No, no one could see it, but Steve's jaw just dropped. Um, like I said, dude, I was totally out. I was he mainstream at this point? I feel like Meek Mill was still like pretty big at this point. 
Confirmation, yes. everyone's not. Okay. So, yeah. no, that's I was not paying attention to the larger part of it because I am awful. But I, I I love that fucking song. Steve, why why is it at your number one? It's definitely my number one, uh, similar to what Corey said as far as it being a Philly Homer pick. Uh, it's definitely the anthem of this city for sure. Uh, you know, don't like got on my list. I felt like that was like a Chicago anthem of that time. Um, but dreams and nightmares, not only was it an anthem for Philly back in 2012, but it still is to this day. Uh, it kind of got a bit of a serious resurgence when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, it was just, it, it went from kind of like being like black Phillies, you know, people's anthem to then the whole damn city. Once the Eagles won the Super Bowl, um, they were using it as their get hype anthem as a team in the locker room throughout that season. Um, and so, yeah, once they're able to capture that championship, it really took it to a whole other level. But I mean, Meek destroys this song. It, it's definitely, in my opinion, I think it's like the best intro song that I've ever heard for an album. Um, and also for somebody's debut studio project too. He's had a few mixtapes and stuff before this, but it was his first studio album uh, to kind of blow off the doors in that way. Um, was absolutely incredible. And shout out to the beat bully uh, for that beat too. Um, also representing Philly suburbs and, you know, in Chester PA, but you know, incredible track, incredible meaning for Philadelphia. I think that for, this song in comparison to any other song that was released in 2012 is probably the most important just for how much it means to this city. So yeah, for me, this is the number one song of 2012. I mean, you mentioning the team using it to get hype. Like I don't, I don't think I could pick a better song to get hype because when the beat flips in the middle and it's like no longer the intro and he's like, hold up, you thought I was finished. And then it just comes in so fucking hard. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I would be the most hype. <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah, all right, whatever. It's the Eagles, which I guess is a, a team people enjoy. But no, I. I mean, in in terms of uh, like the song number one, the one line that stood out to me and continues stands out to me too is, uh, "They told me it's time to marry the game, so I said I do." I I like one. I love that track. Like I I just loved for some reason that one just like stuck out. It was just for me like a really clever way. Um, but one of the funnier parts of this to me, and, and this is in out of context for me because I don't know maybe the backstory of it, but it just him. I did shit with Mariah. Like it just like really trying to re, like remind everyone like guys, I did like I'm to me, it sounded like he did shit with Mariah Carey. And I'm just like, is this guy like yep. really trying to be like, guys, remember I did shit with Mariah, M- fucking Mariah Carey. Do you know how serious yeah, that with, is? Without, without an album out. He already has I mean, a song no. on Mariah Carey. Like, yeah. Then official. that's impressive. Corey, anything else on this? Or Steve, anything else on this? You know, it, just its meaning uh, for Philadelphia is, is, you know, so one of the schools that uh, helped to oversee the program at um, here in Philadelphia, one of the programs that I run uh, is Blaine Academics Plus, And that was Meek's elementary and middle school whenever he grew up um, in the neighborhood in you know, in and around Burke Street, which he actually mentions in this song too, um, Burke Street. So yeah, I'm, I'm always in that neighborhood um, out in Strawberry Mansion. And, you know, those kids love it whenever he shows up to the school and, you know, he's, him and Rock Nation show up and like give kids book bags and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's 
like I said before, it's definitely the um, heartbeat uh, of, of a city. You know, I think that it may not always be like that. You know, there may be other artists and other songs that kind of come and take, you know, the, the people's charisma and moves it into another direction. But for the last near decade, this song has definitely been, you know, the triumphant theme uh, for the city of Philadelphia. No, I mean, Meek Mill, uh, he's held the mantle for Philly for nine years and like really is one of the rappers that really like made Philly a force to be reckoned with. Cause like really before Meek Mill, the only person from Philly that I really knew and cared about was Freeway and like Freeway was fun. He was good but he wasn't Meek Mill and Meek Mill like just goddamn, he means so much to the city. Like he, he is the city's like rap godfather. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we also got Beanie Siegel there too. Um, PD crack and all those folks, you know, from state property. And if you want to go way back, you got Schooly D the first gangster rapper ever came from Schooly D is important. But, um, but yeah. And, and you also got Lil Uzi Vert too, representing Philly right now. Um, but you know, fan, there's, and, yes. and, and, he, and definitely represent big ups and shout outs. We're going to talk about Philly rappers to Tierra whack for sure. Cause Tierra whack is incredible, but, um, yeah, I, to your point though, Meek Mill is of, of this current generation of rappers. He is the King of Philadelphia for sure. I just thought at least as you kept, like, I felt upping up your accolades, Steve, that one of them was going to be Will Smith, not a single mention of Will Smith and how much he includes the words Philadelphia in his rap songs, at least two. But did Meek Mill, I feel like, got clowned on for a minute, too. Like, I feel like like the, the this is me, again, not being totally inside, like, sort of mainstream hip-hop, but, like, I feel like Meek Mill, because I don't know who it was he was in a relationship with, but he kind of got clowned on for a minute. Then he went to jail, and then everyone got behind him, which, like, it, it, like absolutely so. But it just felt like he got disrespected for for a minute and like I feel like he gained that respect back recently yeah I mean that he had his beef with Drake for a minute which is why Drake made the song back to back as well as charged up so he so Drake made a diss with charged up then Meek didn't reply and so then Jake did back to back and that exploded and then yeah Meek became the butt of a lot of jokes and then him and Nicki Minaj split up and then he becomes the butt of more jokes and then he you know unjustifiably gets incarcerated for riding a dirt bike while shooting a music video (laughs) and apparently that's a violation of the ridiculous length of parole that he was already on and so yeah he ended up getting in jail and then a lot of people got behind his back he gets out connects with um, Michael Rubin and Robert Kraft and they end up establishing the reform project um, in addition with Jay-Z getting involved with that. And so, yeah, a lot of, you know, criminal justice reform is definitely on his agenda, but there's, uh, you know, a shift or, you know, a public perception shifted for Meek Mill uh, after that incarceration for sure. Fucking good for him, honestly. Um, Cause that, again, that, that, no, that track was dope and I, Makes me know I need to go back and actually really listen to Meek Mill. Um, Corey, you're last. You got number one. You're number one. A number one. Well, my number one is the number one. I can't. Oh, Jesus like, fucking Christ. I, <laughs> this, is like, this is like when you start out sentences like, <laughs> I hear you, Steve. Like where like immediately you know it's just going to be, it's just going to be a disagreement. It is. And I love Meek Mill. And... I think Meek Mill is excellent. I think that song is excellent. But to have anyone but Kendrick Lamar 
at the top in 2012 is upsetting to me. Um, so what I went with ultimately is Kendrick Lamar, Mad City featuring MC8. If Pyros and Crips all got along, they probably got me down by the end of the song. Seem like the whole city go against me. Every time I'm in the street, I hear yak, 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 yak. Men down. I mean, a party track that also feels like it could be one of Kendrick's most, like one of his heaviest songs, just in terms of lyrical content, but, but Corey. Why is why is this the number one track of two that like declarative the song of 2012? I feel like we have to put it in context within the album. So like Good Kid Mad City, you know, I've always felt this way that when I listen to that album, it's just like I'm watching a movie and all of the skits that play out all fit together in a very specific way. It's the best use of skits in a movie. There's, there's comedy, there's love, there's romance, there's everything that you would have in a movie. And it's all like this tale about him growing up in Compton. And when we get to track nine, this is track, or no, sorry, track eight, Mad City. This is right after he's been beaten up by people from Shireen's neighborhood. So, you know, him responding in this song and when you get that first verse where he's just full of all this anger and vitriol within the context of the album he's responding to that moment of getting beat up so like he's thinking about that event and now he's rapping about all this really heavy stuff that happened to him as a kid so like you're just getting full-on anger and hate and just just bile being spit by him in this first verse and then it's like two songs in one because then in the middle it just flips and you get like an old school G-Funk beat and he gets MC8, a legend from Compton, in a song where he's like channeling menace to society and then he brings up the rapper who was in menace to society to come spit a verse. So it's like this old school like OG from Compton coming in. He's like the old wise head who's now talking you know, to this younger Kendrick and kind of calming him down, talking him down. And then Kendrick in that last verse just gets really insightful about, you know, when he's talking about, you know, if I told you I killed someone at 16, would you believe me or see me to be innocent Kendrick y'all seen in the street? And he's getting all introspective about like where he's been. So the way that the track in itself just follows a story and then the way it fits into the larger album as a whole, it's just incredible and like, even if you isolate it from all that, the first verse he spits is just like, talk about getting hype, like the Meek Mill verse, like that first verse comes in so hot and I've never felt what the rapper was feeling more than Kendrick in that first verse. And, and the reason why I call this sort of like, I mean, the, the beat itself, it, it gets you, like you said, it gets you ant. It is, and it, and it, and for whatever reason, it, it 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 felt like a party track. And I say that only because Corey, when we saw him live at Governor's Ball, and now I know this is the fucking, this is just the thing Kendrick does when he's he's a great fucking showman, but he knows how to get a crowd amped up. And he did the intro to this song, and he's like, everyone, I need you to go fucking crazy. I need to see everyone jumping up and down. I just need to see everyone fucking giving it their all. Goes through the intro. Goes through, like, what? Like, 15, 20 seconds of, like, the actual opening of the song. Cuts it off. He's like, yo. And we were in New York City. I know New York City can do better than this. Let's do it again. And I swear to God, man, I don't know if I've been in a crowd that's lost its shit more than that. 
like like a fucking crowd of people at 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 Governor's Ball, like a festival crowd. Kendrick isn't even on the main stage, man. Like that's the other part that's crazy about this. He's not even on the main stage, but that place is fucking packed. And just a sea of people jumping around to this song. And I just see the song and I see it and then like you think of Tabimpa Butterfly of just sort of you know, this is him talking about what it was growing up and him being it to pimp a butterfly is him, you know, leaving that, becoming successful, but having to think about what he's left behind, feeling guilt because of that and like returning to it. And to hear this song in the context of all of that and to be that the one that we're out like losing our shit to, there's it just feels like a juxtaposition to it that like I can't get out of my head in it. But Steve, what do you, what what are your thoughts on this song? I think it's a great choice. Um similar to what Corey's talking about as far as the energy of the first verse it, it's so captivating for me that even on replay it's hard for me to last listening through the second verse because the first verse is almost it's just a bit more than a third of the song the second verse is the majority of the song and i love mc8 i love the continuum of the narrative and how it kind of shifts and to Corey's point, he kind of calms him down and then Kendrick has a different perspective whenever he gets a bit more poetic to, uh, towards the close of the song. But I'm so captivated by that first verse and the first beat before it switches, uh, that I personally, I understand and, 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 and agree with it being essentially two songs in one, but personally, I wish that I could at least listen to just the first two minutes and 20 some odd seconds of that first verse and first beat and kind of loop that again and again, because it, it yeah, it, it's, it's probably my favorite part of the album is that first verse of this song. Yeah. And beam your point is a very good one that it's so weird to think about a whole crowd of people losing their mind in a club or at a festival to this song because it is so deep and it's so angry. And I've never, like, like I said, I've never felt a rapper's anger more than when I'm listening to that verse. Like there's one part where he just goes nuts and he's like pack a van with four guns at a time with the sliding door. Fuck is up. Fuck you shooting for if you ain't walking up, you fucking punk. And like just the anger and the vitriol like of that, delivery and like as he gets towards the end of the verse it almost like sounds like he's almost about to like cry and lose it because he's just so incredibly filled with all this rage and it's it's it serves the narrative that he's spitting with this whole album and it just like it makes you feel all the feelings it makes you feel hyped it makes you feel angry it makes you feel like or just rageful and you know, it's just wild the way he's able to kind of transfer that to the audience, both like anger and excitement, and it's all happening all at once. It also almost feels like a threat. Like this yeah. is who I can be. Like, yeah. like that that whole part at yeah. the end too, which where it's just like, would you believe innocent Kendrick with a basketball and 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 some now and later's to eat? Like the imagery of that, like that to to put that against like, hey, this is how I may appear, but this is what I'm fucking capable of. And to like, think that about Kendrick, like to know who we know of Kendrick now, you know, yeah, it's, it's, he just is out there to be like, give you a stark reminder. Yeah. And I mean, that, that just serves the whole narrative of the album and that like, this is what growing up in an environment like that can do to someone like, 
you know, it, it, he's kind of reflecting in that final verse about like how lucky he was yeah. to get out and like be able to do something with himself with, with his life. And like, not, not everyone gets that opportunity. So like, there's just so many layers to this song that, you know, for me, it has to be the number one. Um, I think it's just an incredible, incredible work of art. I mean, yeah, it would be, it would have been my number one, uh, had I put together a list for sure. I, it's just, it's the one that always stuck me. It's the one that on the album, but to Steve's point, I will agree with you. The two songs in one part, I wish we could just keep looping that first verse. Because, like, that beat is something else. Like, the end is something I've... It's obviously, you know, it harkens back to a time, right? Like you said, that G-Funk beat. But, like, that that, that opening verse, it just... it. Sometimes I do wish that it's just, like, that was the song. Because I, sometimes I forget. I'm like, all right, there's a second part of it. But anyway... Hold up. Steve, I want to uh, point out one other line because I know that... I saw you smile when it came up and we've talked about it before, but there's was one line and I love how, you know, in the verse amongst all this anger and, you know, bile, he's also able to weave in pop culture references. Mm. <laughs> so there's this one line where he goes, bodies on top of bodies, obvies on top of obvies, obviously the coroner between the sheets, like the Osleys. And, you know, I just, there's so many layers to this whole thing. Like the Ivy's on top of Ivy's, you know, Ivy is the Roman numeral for four. So he's talking about 44 caliber guns and he's talking about each intravenous drips. And he's talking about Ivy's like the, the crip set. Like there's just so many layers to this whole thing. And then he's like, I'm just going to throw in an Isley's reference on top of it to just remind <laughs> you that I'm the fucking best. Yeah. And nah, he, it's, it's, he's such a beast uh, with the pen and all the uh, layers to each reference. It, it's absolutely in, incredible. Yes. That definitely made me smile. That whole, that whole section is just whew, masterful. We're good. We're going to transition to the end now. I didn't know you were going for that. Um, but anyway, well, Steve loves the Isley brothers and he yeah, brought man. up between the sheets, like <laughs> talking about having sex. So I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to harken back no, to that because that was Kendrick, great. I'm glad, Kendrick I'm glad knows Steve. that line was for Steve. I'm glad. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you came back for that. That was, you know, as the host that I decided to be at the last second, that was an oversight on my part. So that was, that, that was good. That is, that is fair enough. Anyway. So we have reached the end of our list now, kind of looking back on it. I know the one thing that we talked about it or at least with sort of 2012 as a year. Is this a dumb question to ask, but, like, who's who, who came out on top in terms of just, like, where we're at now, 2021? In my opinion, as far as quality, Kendrick Lamar, but as far as quantity and vastness of success, Drake. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, for me, the three best rappers who are kind of in their prime right now are Kendrick Lamar, uh, J. Cole, and Run the Jewels, um, just in terms of like purely rapping, um, taking out Drake's incredible success. And I love Drake very much, but Drake is you know, successful? A <laughs> little, little bit. Um, but, you know, Kendrick has released now three classic albums, one of which won him a Pulitzer Prize, um, a well deserved Pulitzer Prize, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, the other rappers on that list, like J. Cole, J. Cole doesn't exist if Kendrick doesn't do Mad City first, because then J. Cole has to up his game and do Forest Hills Drive and these other incredible albums that J. Cole does in response to keep up 
because what Kendrick just laid down with this record and was like, yo, yeah, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> if you didn't know, like I, I run this shit now and he still does because like he hasn't put it out an album since what? 2017, 18 was damn. I forget which year, but it's, it's probably 17. I think 17. Yeah, I think yeah. it's 17. So it's been when did four Black years. Panther come out? 2018? It, 2018. So damn was then, yeah. yeah, but it, the Black Panther album was kind of like a Kendrick album. Yeah, kind of. It was but like, curated by Kendrick. But like, you know, he hasn't put out a record in what, four years? And he's still regarded as Dude, fucking the Pitchfork, best rapper living. Pitchfork yes. literally wrote a fucking article like, where is Kendrick? Like, that, like. Because everyone just wants more music like, from this more? dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, everyone's just like. Like frothing at the mouth right now, just being like, please more Kendrick, especially after last year. Like, obviously, someone people want to see something from him that's about that, but like, I don't know necessarily that Kendrick's going to do something like that. Um, but yeah, like, he, he's one of the most anticipated artists, like, I think now, and or like, so, or at least the one we're anticipating the most in terms of putting out an album at this stage. But yeah, I think that's also a really good point. Three classic albums. Like, I, to pimp a butterfly is, I know, I know I've referenced that out, what, three times, four times now, but, like, that is, that is my, one of, it, it may not be his best, but it's my favorite, kind of. I think what it's also his best, objectively yeah, it, speaking. To pimp <laughs> yeah. a butterfly is definitely in the conversation for greatest rap album of all time. Okay. Yeah, it's a fucking masterpiece. Good. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, because I know some people, like, damn, like, was huge for them, too. Like, that's the one he won in the poll. That is also right? in the conversation for greatest <laughs> rap album of all time. And so is Good Kid Mad <laughs> City. So like, he has <laughs> The dude is incredible. Like, it the really motherfucker is. literally at SPAC had Pulitzer Kenny on a sign behind him. Like, if that isn't one of the biggest flexes I've ever seen in my entire life, like, that is amazing. Like, who else yeah. is going to be able to put that sort of shit when they're on stage? Like... No one. Yeah, just fucking ridiculous. But, um... Anyway, Steve, I know you kind of ran through a couple of them maybe at the top, but, I mean, is there is there one in particular you kind of want to go through again just to, to, to speak on a little more? Yeah, I think I went through most of them already. One I didn't mention, though, uh, there's actually a bunch that I could probably mention, but one that I definitely didn't mention that is certainly an honorable mention. Uh, you know, is another artist who really had a breakthrough year in 2012 is Waka Flocka Flame, a round of applause with Drake. I mean, that song is definitely, uh, you know, a, a big, big party song of 2012. And uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's Waka Flocka Flame is definitely not one of the best lyricists, but his career and 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 the, the the energy and songs he was putting out are definitely you know have, have lasted a, a good decade at least i mean um, whether it's round of applause um there's a few other tracks that he was able to put out that same year that really kind of took the clubs and took the radios by storm so yeah shout out to shout out to waka flocka for that one um tiger has a few tracks that are dope uh, we already mentioned Schoolboy. Odd Future definitely should get some shout out and love in 2012 as well, too. So, yeah. Corey? Yeah, I mean, when I was making my list, Steve and I kind of talked about this a little bit. You know, we we we, we don't reveal our lists to each other, but one of the things that we were talking about it's really was really like, adorable, everyone. It's absolutely adorable <laughs> to introduce to each other. It's kind of like, you know, like when the bride and groom, like, do the first, like, reveal or whatever. And the first, it's it's kind of like that. No, but like what Steve and I were talking about a little bit was like, you know, 
this is where our tastes kind of start to diverge a little bit because Steve tends to skew a little bit more mainstream. I, I like some weirder stuff. Um, Steve, you okay with that? Is that, is that accurate? <laughs> well, wouldn't I be? It's accurate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I, yeah, there's definitely music that Corey dives into that I've yet to tune into. Like, I mean, some of the songs on his list I hadn't heard before. No, uh, and they're by, and they're by artists that I listen to. So sorry, Corey, I rudely interrupted. No, that's all right. But like, you know, for that reason, I specifically tried to stay away from mainstream stuff. So a lot of my art, like my, my, my honorable mentions are the mainstream stuff that I love. So like, you know, mercy by Kanye West, like that song is incredible. And I, you know, it could be number two very easily on my list if I wasn't like doing something very specific, but like mercy is just absolutely incredible. Um, I want to give an honorable mention to Freddie Gibbs for BFK. It's not full Freddie Gibbs yet. He hasn't really figured it out. So I didn't put it on my top five, but you know, Freddie Gibbs is just absolutely incredible. So I really love BFK, Babyface Killer. The last one I want to just give a quick shout uh, to is another TDE artist, Ab Soul. He dropped a record called Control System this year. And there's a track called Illuminate with Kendrick Lamar on it. And they both just absolutely murder that song. And you know, you want to talk about who won from this year? TDE won. Schoolboy, Absol, Kendrick Lamar, putting that record on record label on the map, and just huge artists like Isaiah Rashad comes from there too. You know, TDE, they just have a lot of my favorite hip hop artists on that label. If you guys don't mind, though, there is one honorable mention I want to give. I know, I know, it's I didn't good. construct a list, but his album did come out. I know I mentioned it before, and part of this and and after I started doing a little bit of like listening back on 2012 hip hop, I did find the podcast. What had happened was from open Mike Eagle. He did an entire retrospective on LP. He talked to LP about his entire career, uh, you know, from start to, to present. And they did talk about cancer for cure. And there's there one song when I listened to it, that stuck out to me even before. And then when I heard the explanation for it, I fucking loved it. Like the lyrics obviously clicked with me a little bit more. Uh, and that would be for my neighbor, for my upstairs neighbor, uh, parentheses, mum's the word, close parentheses. Uh, it's just got some lines on it. Like the one that always stuck out to me is like, come on, you know the drill. These walls are thick. So I got my own shit I'm dealing with. I haven't, I haven't seen or heard a thing. I never met him. That's the city. Good luck working at Columbo. I'll, I'm about you got my info, but you never get my pity, and I'm out. So it turns out that the song is from when he had a neighbor or at least a couple of neighbors that lived nearby in his apartment in New York City who he just always heard arguing. And he could hear everything that was being said, and he said that just like the dude in it was just being vicious, just saying some vitriolic shit to the point where he said there would be moments in where he would see his neighbor, the, the the woman, he would see her out in the hallway while they're getting on the elevator or whatever, and he always had this urge to just go up to her, one, to check on her, but also, two, to go up to her and be like, listen, if you kill him, I won't say anything. And basically just talking about how, like, it also just sort of weaved into, like, the New York City life. 
and how he said everyone's just kind of in their own shit. You just look forward. Unless someone lets you into their life, you just mind your own shit and you just keep walking forward. Like, even if something happens, the police come knocking, like, you don't say anything. And so I just love the way he weaved it into the story because, one, it's him almost just, like, doing some spoken word shit. The lyrics are great. And there's not even really a beat. It's just kind of like some noise until you get to the chorus. And it's just him just saying, if you kill him, I won't tell. And it's just like the catchiest hook ever. And that's when the actual like the beat actually like kind of kicks in. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that song. I don't know if either of you had heard that one. But, but LP, listening to that whole retrospective made me appreciate him a hell of a lot more than I feel like I ever should have. But. I mean, Cancer for Cure is a tremendous record. I, you know, I love all the tracks on that, that, that album. Um, it was tough for me to leave it out. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great shout. That brings us to the end of this, this podcast. We've, we visited 2012 and joins our other explorations of 1988, 1994. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Corey, you didn't have a choice, but like, thank you both very much. Uh, Steve, again, for, for joining us again and joining us for another year. Uh, yeah, this, this, these episodes are always awesome. Yeah. Steve, you got anything you want to plug before we, uh, depart here? Yeah, absolutely. So first, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation as always with y'all. Um, but yeah, I have a new music video coming out for my song, Make It Happen. It'll be out this Saturday. Uh, I was filmed at Another Planet Barbershop on South Street, as well as Rec Philly over on Market Street, um, which is like a creative hub for creators here in Philadelphia. I was directed by my homie Xavier Luciano, and I was all able, also able to get a visual effects artist uh, named Vishal Gautam to do some really dope VFX on it too. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that song to come out. I also recently started a podcast called style free podcast. Uh, my father and I host that and we just dive in on a lot of different topics. Well, we have a new theme each season. So season one is all around um, black music history and pioneering um, black music artists like the fifth dimension, Nat King Cole, James Brown, folks like that. Our next episode coming out um, is going to be on Stevie wonder. Uh, we're recording that next week so yeah it's just a lot of fun things on the horizon and uh really looking forward to sharing all those things with you next time I'm back on here for whatever year we do next yeah i want to i want to get to that but steve what um what handles can they follow that podcast on and, and and where can they find that shit yeah most definitely so you can follow uh style free podcast or style free radio or you can visit stylefreeradio.com or stylefreepodcast.com and they'll take you to any platform you want in order to check out the podcast. And can we, you hadn't, I don't, did it come out when we last talked to you? Cause your album's out. Your yeah, album's yeah. out. Like, and, and I know we talked about it a lot. How has that been? How's reception been? It was released in a pandemic, obviously. So I'm just kind of curious just to see like, anything in the works too other than just like some videos i mean i mean what, what what's going on in that regard yeah the, the album was met with really positive reception i was able to uh have my music featured on sway in the mornings get in the game uh segment i was able to also have it featured on the universal hip-hop museums uh playlists in the month of june and july of this summer 
uh, was able to have one of my music videos for my song BLM be accepted into a film festival in Rome, Italy. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of um, stuff that has kind of jumped off because of the album um, in a lot of positive ways. And yeah, I'm also in the studio recording some new music uh, that may come out this summer uh, as, you know, maybe like a preview for the content and themes of what's going to be on my next project too. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff on the horizon. There's been a lot of great things that have happened just this past year too. How's it feel to finally have it out though? Oh, it's great, man. It's great. I absolutely love it. Uh, especially like, if, you know, I get notifications that it was Shazammed in Poland and, you know, in random countries and, it, you know, being able to kind of have my voice and my thoughts uh, and everything that I represent reach countries and communities that I never thought that I might be able to reach before is a uh, really impactful and, and positive experience. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's a great piece of work. So uh, super excited for you. Super, super happy you were able to put that out. So uh, um, can I think you can get it, what, anywhere you can stream some shit too, right? I know I got yeah, it on yeah. Spotify. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, Google Music, Pandora, anywhere that there's music, uh, you can just type in elect, E-L-L-E-C-T, and intellectual property is the name of the album, and tune in. Fucking lovely. Well, thank you, Steve. Corey, what the fuck you got going on? How you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to do it. Uh, no. Uh, what do I have going on? I'm doing this with yeah, you. No, no, what are I you know. talking it's, about? It's great. Um, <laughs> but this is the part, like, I know I volunteered to be a host here at the last second, but the one part you're even better at, I mean, you're great at all of it, really, but what you're even better at is remembering all of our social media handles, so please just let them all know. Yeah, for sure. So you can check us out on Instagram at Backporch Media, on Twitter at Porchback Media. Follow us on Apple Spot, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Rate and review us. We love to hear your thoughts. Share some of your favorite hip hop songs with us. We we love to listen to all things. So let us know what you love. Let us know what you think. And yeah, that's about it. Unless it's a pop country song, then you know, just keep that shit away from us. That we we don't like listening to that. Like I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I really feel like I can speak for both of us on that. But thank Big you, facts. thank you again, uh, at Corey. Do we know, or do do we got another year in the works, or we gotta we gotta figure that shit out? Steve, Steve, and I are about to talk about this. I have I have some ideas, but we're about to talk about what we want to tackle next. And our, you know, you talked about the history of, you know, black music. We're we're kind of looking at this as a way to just discover like the history of hip hop just by going through all these years. So yeah, we got to decide what we're doing next. No, I've already said it's made a dunce like me, like a little more educated has forced me to get more educated. Corey, you saw, I'm at least getting some literature. Finally. Uh, I'm putting in like the, like Proud the, of you, man. the smallest amount of effort. I, I, more effort should be given, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best that and baby books, but either way, uh, thank you again for everyone for joining another installment of our explore, exploration in, uh, in a year in hip hop. It was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see y'all soon. See y'all.